The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose. My name is Claire Morigande. I am a TEDx speaker, a scientist by training, and your host on this show. This podcast is dedicated to amplifying social impact by bringing you inspiring individual stories of ordinary people who are making extraordinary impact within their communities and around the world. So if you're looking for a program that showcases unique stories of changemakers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society, and at the same time you want to be inspired to take action, then don't look any further, you are in the right place. So get comfortable and listen in to my conversations. Today, we kick off our third season of the podcast with the first guest, Akim Tijan Cole. Akim is the founder of Mai Fashion, a Swiss-based fashion activism label that brings people together to create change. In this discussion, Akim tells me about how his organization creates diversity competence transfer workshops to inspire t-shirt designs. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for now, listen to Akim's journey and his ambition to create a movement around diversity. Really excited to have this conversation with you, Akim, today. So, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, Claire. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm super excited to be here to be talking with you, and I'm just really looking forward to our conversation. Great. The pleasure is all mine. And um, I just have to give a bit of background as well to our listeners, just to tell them how we met. We recently met. It was in November 2021 through Capacity Zurich. And for those listeners who are probably new to the podcast, uh, I did receive two of the co-founders earlier on in the in the series. So that was uh, January or February, I think, 2021. And uh, Capacity is basically a talent and startup incubator for refugees and migrants, which is based here in Zurich, Switzerland. And it just so happens that you are one of their board members. And we met uh, at their celebratory event, which was end of 2021. And I was invited to give a keynote. Now, we won't be speaking about capacity, but I have a guess that Mai Fashion is somehow linked to capacity. Yes, totally right, totally right. <laughs> okay, but before we jump into that conversation, um, I'd like to pass it on to you and give you the opportunity to present yourself. Who is Akim and what would you like our listeners to know about your background? Well, my name is Akim, as, as we've established. I am originally from Sierra Leone. Well, I'm also Swiss. I consider myself as a dual uh, citizen. I came to Switzerland many years ago, I think about 15, 16 years ago, also because of um, the then civil war in, in Sierra Leone. For me, that was a really big shock because, you know, I had like a real steady life down there, did an okay life and just was just thrown, <laughs> just thrown out into a new culture, into new, 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 new experiences, had to learn things, everything from scratch. And now I would say I am very passionate about diversity and inclusion, hence which my fashion, which is um, linked to, to this, my passion. And I have also different um, volunteering work I do on the side as with capacity, as a board member and capacity, also part of uh, the core team for national action that we will do next year. I do also work in the bank 
So now, speaking about Mayi fashion, how did it all start? Tell me about how the whole idea or the concept initiated and perhaps in the second part, you know, walk us through a bit the whole process up until September 2021 when you launched your label. It's also a two-thronged answer, I would say. During the late night conversation with a former flatmate, <laughs> we were just, um, I think we were a little bit drunk also, and we were just... Um, <laughs> Um, just grumbling or complaining about the lack of um, t-shirts or clothes with a meaning in Zurich or to really cool t-shirts in Zurich, right? This conversation afterwards kind of like stuck with me. And so I tried to really get him in the, like, hey man, you know, we should maybe really do something about that. And But he was not so um, so moved. And for me also, um, I, I think I've also been um, kind of... Um, what can I say, entrepreneurship-minded also, a bit like action, really action-based. Even when I was studying, I was president of the student union. I really did certain co-founded several initiatives there also. So I think I really had that kind of drive to really get things from the scratch or to get an idea going. But for me, um, from my experiences in my life, any business, anything I got into, I, I was going to really put my endeavors in had to have a social aspect to it for, uh, to, to it for me. Um, because basically, I think actually social enterprises are the future. They are needed. You need, I don't so necessarily believe in charity, but I believe um, it's this hybrid. It's this cross mix between um, business and also giving back. And so for me, any business that I went into had to really have that social aspect. And also one thing, one of the major experiences that are things that really um, has changed my life, which was just in a moment just like that, was this my move from Sierra Leone to Switzerland. Um, because before it was, I was just like a normal homeboy, you know. I grew up in the University of Sierra Leone and, you know, I had that normal life, you know, even on a car with my friends, we were paying for and all of a sudden, um, just got caught up in the war there when the rebels took over half of the, the capital of Freetown. But basically, um, linking that to my incident, I had to come back here to, uh, to come to Switzerland. Yeah, uh, this was a place I never even, I mean, I heard of it in passing, but I never thought much about, you know. Landing here at the airport, I can recall, I just came in and um, I, just, I was quite, I thought, you know, in these movies, you used to see these movies when, and these, the family goes to seek asylum. And, you know, there's a process. I actually thought it was like that. So I landed at Zurich Airport. And I was trying to, um, I went to the counter and to the guy, and I raised my hand up. I, I am so, 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 I would like to see. And the guy just screamed at me, what do you want here? What do you guys want from us? Then he locked me up in a cell. They, they actually have cells nearby. This is what people who go through actually Passport control, you know, they always have cells nearby. And he just locked me up there for us until he sorted out the rest of the um, passengers. I think I just even slept. And so this, this was a really good, uh, like a really shock a shock for me, you know. Okay, fine. Then I was actually let, let inside to pursue my asylum application. And then I was, then you get sent to different cantons or so, or you just get allocated. And then I was sent to cantons in Galen, right up in a village there. And this was a total shock for me also, you know, culture shock. And and you just been up there and we could not talk the language, for example. And we were really controlled. And you were given, I think, then 20 francs for two weeks. And we could not work. And there were regular police controls. And the surroundings were also, it was not really um, friendly with us or such, or really accepting of us. So this was just like you just stuck somewhere. And this for me was like, <laughs> really like, um, 
was a real, uh, you know, jolt or shock in my system, you know. And so then I went through all these processes. I was there for like years. Eventually, I came to Zurich and I got my papers also. And I then even, and I thought I could actually work. And I said, okay, now super, now I have a permit B. This is it. I'm in, you know, I can work, I can travel, you know. It did not necessarily turn out to be like that because um, you realize former qualifications or your former experiences are not even so relevant, right? As such. And then you still just stop because basically when I was in this asylum system, I found that it was just me stuck with my set of people, you know. I had a feeling it was like a them against us, mentally them and us, or them against us, it's them and us there. And so there's not really any understanding on both sides what's really going on, you know, we're just down there and there. And I thought, okay, now I have my, I have a permit B, I can legally work and also travel. This might change. And then you realize that, oh no, it is not really like that at all. Your qualifications are not necessarily recognized, you know? And then I was doing a lot of um, these jobs, these um, jobs where, um, which was really super cool, right? I was happy. I mean, I could earn some money, but then I really wanted to do also something with more cognitive ability, something that could really push me more. But it was really difficult to get into that, you know. Um, I tried to apply to go to university several times. It was always, um, you don't have the right subject, you don't have this, you don't have that, the language part. And, and so even then, when I did have the paper, I still felt I was still stuck in that them and us. There was no communication between the other side, between the two sides in terms of these two brackets that I said which was really, after a while, really, um, you know, depressing for me, you know. I mean, I was doing these jobs, I think, before I even went to study. I was doing all these jobs like uh, cleaning and, you know, dishwashing. They would not even let me to serve customers in the restaurant. And so this was kind of like my experiences here, these demos. But, I, but then I knew that maybe there could be something more. So uh, pivotal change, I think, definitely was when I actually got offered a, a farming apprenticeship at an NGO here. The key thing about it, it was really quite an exclusive NGO also. We did not normally take people with my background. And for me also, it was a big step because um, to accept the internship, I had to actually do without money for like, you know, three months or so, you know, and for something that, because I know I'm not a farmer also, I really just had to really step outside of my comfort zone, you know. And, but then during this time, there was actually, I think was the, Time I got to really see another another side of Switzerland, right? And first of all, I got to meet Swiss people on a regular basis, right? I could talk with them; they could talk with me, right? I got to understand about Swiss culture, right? Um, like um, um, the type of food they ate, um, like the, um, the, the kind of custom, the songs they sing. You know, I got to really understand a bit to see what makes them tick. And they also got to see me. And then I was like, hey, these people are not so bad after all. You know, it's not really so bad because then, because back then, because of this misunderstanding, because of this lack of communication as such, I also, I mean, I can say yeah, the system, they were not so accommodating to me, but I was also probably not so accommodating to them because I could not feel them. I did not have conversations, you know, I did not know what's going on. So basically what we do with Maye is we try to create that diversity experience through fashion. We try to get people who would not normally meet to start conversations with, with each other. And so this was based on this, my experience, because just starting that conversations with these guys there, 
changed a lot of their perception of me and my perception of them. And and now with a lifelong friend, their bonds have gone gone on to do so much different um, things. I've collaborated with them on different um, projects, and so basically that's what we do at my. We bring together people who would not normally meet, right? On an extreme basis, you would say bankers and homeless people, you know? And we run these design sessions where there's what we call diversity competence transfer, right? We have different segments where they get to really capture different insights about each other. And during the session, they, they leave messages that they want to send out to the world based on their conversation and interactions with each other. And at the end, they can possibly unify on the central message they want to send out to the world. And these messages inspire our designs. Our clothes carry the messages of really diverse people, which is, I think, you, you can't get a more honest or concurrent message for the world than that because it's the normal people. And very importantly, during these sessions also, um, these connections are going with these, with these, with these um, participants. We start conversations, we create connections, and we create also beautiful fashion. First of all, how do you bring these people together? Because you said you have, you know, people who would normally never meet. And I just recall one thing as well is that on your website, you, you describe yourself as fashion activists who are making clothes that bring people together to create change. So <laughs> tell me, how do you bring these people together? <laughs> oh, that's my secret. No, no, no. <laughs> well, but, no Without revealing every secret, right? <laughs> Well, basically, now we're a startup, right? So um, basically, now it's through um, my personal networks and such. You know, we just really try to, um, you, know, you know, just push a call out and just get diverse people or such. And that's how we that's how we get it. Nothing so actually, um, so actually special. It is time consuming. It can be time consuming. But the thing is also is, um, it's not. You see, okay, we do these design sessions for the collections, right? And also on the side, our activism arm, then we also do these local ones where there's no actual design that's going to be um, sold as a collection be done. And then this is this, then we invite quite a wide people to come with different ideas. And then there's still the same idea, the same interactions go on. So for the design ones, these ones you maybe get two collections or three collections a year at most. So then you take a bit of time more to plan it. Do you leave it open in the sense that the discussion is more or less organic or do you perhaps for a certain session already set the stage and say these are perhaps topics we would like to address? No, we, we, we actually, we, we do, it is, it is kind of planned because then people do need some guidance as well. So we have, um, there is a topic, we do, we do select the, the general topic because then we kind of then lead the conversation or, and then just let it flow then organically. And then in between the discussions, we also have um, different segments. For example, we also prepare the people. We do a bit of these exercises so that, for example, just breathing exercises to get people in the right frame of mind to actually come to these discussions. So we have these different segments for us to get people a bit more focused into what we're coming to do. And then... And then also there's different segments where people, they interact with each other and actually get to know, get to know each other, which is, which is one of the big works. And then in between there, then these the discussions on the sidelines, this is how it goes. Just to give me an idea, how long do these sessions last? Is it like a whole day? Is it on several days or? No, no, it's, it's just half a day, half a day, half a day. 
Okay, so I previously mentioned that you launched in September 2021. So the label, so to speak, is quite recent. Uh, but you've mentioned already that you've had different collections. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we have one collection, not different collections as yet. We've done different tests, different tests as such, just testing the concept. But we actually quite new. We actually have just one collection, which is actually a milestone for us, which I'm very um, excited about, actually. And yeah, it's and this one is special in the sense, um, as in, because part of our um, concept, apart from this diversity experience, a key part is also giving back or trying to um, promote um, underrepresented groups, you know, just to giving back to them because we want also every sale at Maya to actually not just be transactional, but to actually go on to do something really specific, you know, which is also a key part in our concept. And our first project is gender. It's a bit promoting gender equality and more specifically, we um, assisting the um, education of young primary school girls in developing in, in poor countries, developing countries. The stats are really like horrible if you, I mean, the amount of lives that can be saved and um, the amount of economic growth that can, that we could have if the, if more school, just to finish the primary school, could if that could just happen, you know, like it passes on to even their kids, you know, 34 million children are going to school, I think 17 million lives could be saved. And so um, that's part of our giving back. So we do for every sale that we do, we support the education of these girls through providing school supplies and uniform and also a mentoring session just to um, inspire them and also um, make sure the parents also know the importance of their kids or the girls finishing school because in some of these communities, the boys are preferred over girls. So why this collection is special also because we actually integrated that part also in the design. And so the message this time was not just from this workshop that was held or design session that was held in Zurich. It also included the messages of these, these girls. It's a collaboration design between their messages and the messages from this workshop in Zurich. You know, this first design, it carries the message of um, friendship and respect for all. And basically I was, I think it was a trip on a trip um years back i went to the, the village or the school or the school and i just told them just draw anything you want you know just what comes into what what you want to see and you know we have we have all these drawings it's all so nice and so this one that we chose was the one from isa too and she basically um just drew her friend um four day playing uh, football when she would sit outside and she walked with her to school and back and it's just really horrible how they have to cross the river and everything just to go to school, you know. And it was just that one. So it carries this, it's about friendship and also the message from this workshop was about respect for all, you know, regardless of, you know, background or or any kind of um, factors as such. So it's, it's, it's that cross-collaboration. This is um, our first collection and I'm really so happy and excited about it. Sounds amazing. Congratulations on you for that. I mean, you really combined, you know, the like the final recipient. So if I'm understanding correctly, you're, you're having this. It's not only about the diversity and bringing people together and create the dialogue, but also that a message comes out of it. Exactly. So this is why I think it's, it's, it's a real um, it's a real special T-shirt. It looks good. I think it really carries it's a it's a powerful message. It's a, it's a 
it's a great energy, you know, out there in the world for people to have it just to carry it around, you know. Yeah. So because it's it's about it's the message from um, a 90-year-old herbalist in, in Zurich, from a refugee, from a farmer, from a student at ETH, you know, from the, it's all of their messages all in one, you know. That's what our t-shirt is about. Exactly. And it also goes to show how we are all interconnected, you know, regardless of where you live on this planet, but there's always a way that we get to connect to each other. You know, it, it, it's just about really starting conversations and talking, you know, because we all have our biases. And it's a constant work, you know. It's constant work just to get rid of them. Uh, I think one of the best way I think this is done, you know, teaching is good, but it's true lived experiences. I think that's one of the best way to, um, you know, counter this. And and this can also help to, when we're attacking like these, you know, big problems such as, you know, like climate change and, you know, inequality and stuff, you know, it's only these these kind of lived experiences that can then feed into these solutions, you know, and this is what my is trying to contribute to towards, yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's all about lived experience. And, and, you know, I mean, even your whole experience, the way you explained it to us throughout you know, this conversation, in the end, also finding your way and now creating something that's meaningful. I mean, that experience alone, perhaps even just telling the story is, is something that people might relate to, to some extent, but it's always about, you know, sharing our stories and everybody's experience. And that's how you can, you know, make things change, right? Exactly. And maybe just to go back to finding your way, trying to find my way, because the journey is still so big. I mean, even now in this, in this phase, even in my job now, you, you notice that I'm different also, you know, and, um, you, um, for example, in my, my former job I was in, it's a bit you there, but then, you just they people want you to act like like them, you know. As far as otherwise, you don't really um, get work. You don't really go up as such. So, I mean, I would say it's just a different phase. I would say Claire right now, but I still sometimes even up to now with all this, I still feel like that guy who just landed at the airport when the guy was saying, "What do you want now?" It, it's just in just in different levels, actually. I also think it's it's a you know it's a good example to show you know, how far you have come. As you say, you're still in the process um, and still you've been, you know, you've managed to to create something. What I find really remarkable that you're, you know, we were saying before you're addressing dialogue. So you're really contributing to this diversity dialogue to show that, you know, everybody's interconnected and whatever your background, there's always a way, as long as you are able to speak to each other, you know, we, we find how we relate to each other, right? And then you're also addressing the question of education, young girls' education, because we know, and I had one of my very first guests on the podcast as well, was, you know, especially in, in um, the African continent, you know, supporting women, either in education, innovation, and also entrepreneurship. This is something we need to foster. And I think through your project, you're, kind of going to the root cause of that, you know, enabling the girls to finish school because in the end, they also have um, the means to also decide for themselves later on, provided the context is also helpful. And there's another thing you also address I wanted to because you were speaking about climate change and I noticed on your website as well that your T-shirts are basically, well, first of all, they're made in Switzerland with carbon neutral production and only using organic materials and you're also documenting your process 100%. So you're even being transparent on that level. Yeah, yeah totally, totally intentional. It, ha it had to be, I mean, a, a, label, um, a label like us had to, uh, first of all, it, I, I do support uh, sustainability. I'm a key fan. It had, it, had, it had to have that aspect. And this was one of the reasons why um, initially when we were looking for producers, you know, 
um, because we cannot actually, especially in this pandemic time, go out to really verify, you know, the um, what they say, what's going on, and so on. And for us, it is really key that it, I mean, first from the sustainable materials, also the working conditions. It's this is in, ingrained in our principles: fair wage, you know, a <laughs> um, living wage, you know, sort of even fair wage, you know, and all of this. Every our um, manufacturers have to have that aspect. And so then we just decided, yeah, for Switzerland, even though it, the, the cost price is actually quite high, but we think that maybe in the long term, people will be prepared to pay a bit more for that. As you were saying also in the beginning, I also believe that social enterprise is the future. You know, whether you are a very small business or even the very large ones now, this is the way you have to go because, as you know, we're speaking about climate change and everything and also social justice. The consumer or the person who is going to receive your service in the end, they are also now entitled and their voice counts, right, to understand where is my product coming from, how is my service, are people really, you know, paying a fair way and so on. So so I think you're part of the, the first people, <laughs> I would say, among social entrepreneurs who are really driving this change. To be honest, I think it's one of the things that's going to save us because we do need like companies that make profit. We need we we need growth, right? I mean, so the thing is, right? When it's just focused on on growth as such, then you know you they actually they cause the problem and then they donate to charity. You understand? So the problem doesn't actually get solved, and they don't donate enough. So they they cause it. So it doesn't. Make, so but when you have a bit. That when you have that social aspect, social aspect, and I think I think that's that's actually the way forward. And if so, if small, um, what can I say, small businesses or startups or people like us can start up, maybe uh, enough movement will be take place that the big guys, the banks or these big companies can actually say, you know what, you know, it's about time. And I think when you have that, um, the effects on society would be. You know, positively tremendous. You know, so, so I think I think it's it's the way forward, and it's the one thing that can actually save us. So, speaking about the way forward and looking at the future for Maye Fashion, what is your overall vision? Let's say Maye Fashion in ten years from now, what does it look like? Maye is like a movement, also fashion. The idea is a movement, right? So we we would hope that um, our community really grows. That you know that we can really spark this idea. By then, amongst people, that it's also cool to be diverse. That's what I think I would like to see that that we make diversity cool on a local, on a European level, or international level, whatever we just that hey, it is really cool, you know, that somebody else is different. Like, let's just find out about that. Let's just see the common ground, what's up there, you know. And that's, I think, that and I. And in that way, I think we will create an impact, you know, the, and creating that just that impact that maybe, who knows, can maybe inspire one of these big leaders who are going to be solving these issues or people who are contributing to these solutions that this was maybe a factor in them also, you know, like, you know, just going forward and to trying to to change, to, you know, to make like positive social change. So this I would love. This would make my hair right. Wow, yeah, okay, that's super cool, yeah. And creating beautiful clothes at the same time, of course. We have fashion label, of course, yeah. So so my, my takeaway is that Mayi is starting a movement and the movement is diversity, it's cool. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, it's a movement, but diversity is cool through fashion, you know. I love that. Diversity is cool through fashion. It's a great slogan, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> 
And so Akim, right by the end of my podcast, I always have these three same questions that I ask to my guests to have a sneak preview into, you know, what music they listen to, what, what books they read. So in case they also have recommendations for our listeners. So the first question is, um, what is the music that you listen to very often at the moment? Or if you're not very much of a music type of person, uh, what is the book that you're reading right now? Maybe I can answer both quick. Um, Music-wise, I still like these oldies, like um, a bit 80s rap, you know, Biggie Smalls, you know, some silver, Major Blige. I still <laughs> I was definitely listening to that yesterday, and because I just I, I just redid my 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 place whilst I was fixing stuff up. So I still, I still think that it's so damn cool, you know. And from a book wise, um, I actually started reading one on it's called pa- Paradise. I think the guy is called Abdul Razak Guma. Paradise, Paradise. It's called. I, he actually won the Nobel Prize. They say, but in terms of books that maybe made impact, um. I would say Man's Search for a Meaning by Victor Franklin. It was a bit this guy. It was a Jew in the Nazi camp, especially in, in Poland. And it's a remarkable story about his, I mean, what happened there. But it was actually much more how we transferred those and um, also those experiences there into also into his, his, his life there back after they escaped. Um, you should really check out that book. There's another one also. Um, it's called Immortal Self by Aravinda Himadra. It's basically, it's a journey, it's maybe like a spiritual journey a bit, and, but it just shows you a bit the transformative power that can happen when we just challenge ourselves. So, so you, you basically already answered my second question, which was, you know, <laughs> is there a book that was really important for you at a specific time in your life? So I guess these are the two books. And the very last question, the third question is, what would you recommend for our listeners, you know, music-wise or book-wise? Is there something that you say people need to listen to that or need to read this book? These two books uh, really touched me, so I would, I would definitely recommend these two books. I think um, different people can definitely relate to certain different parts in it, and it, it can be transformative, actually. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we are really at the end of the conversation right now. I would love to continue discussing with you. Um, but just for our listeners to finish off, you know, what would be your last message from this conversation? I guess I guess my message I would just try to say is like, um, it's just to challenge yourself a bit like, um, let's challenge ourselves to bring the best out of us and to be better people, you know. So for me, this is um, one, this is one of my challenges, you know, there's a lot of these demons or these things we all have, but just challenge ourselves and, and try to see how we can be a, I, this is what I'm trying to do. I can be a better man or a better person or how I can do maybe something more. And it's tough that because, you know, you put yourself sometimes in contradiction. But I think let's just, just keep on doing that because it can create a change. Thank you so very much, Ree, for taking the time to, to come on the show and to share your story. And I will be watching out to my fashion, you know, seeing how they evolve. And uh, I really hope to stay in touch with you. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. It's, it's great. Um, it's really fun conversation. Really loved it. And um, the viewers out there, yeah, check out my fashion, myfashion.com, at myfashion on Instagram. You know, just, just follow us and just really find out what we're about. You know, we join our community and let's just really spread this message out there. From Sierra Leone to Switzerland, 
a social entrepreneur who is on a mission to make diversity cool and spark a movement. How amazing is that? Check out the website of Mayi Fashion at mayifashion.com. Mayi is spelled M-A-A-Y-E-E. And if you're inclined to do so, do support their crowdfunding campaign. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 27, a conversation with Akim Tijan Kohl. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to the podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share our show within your network. And also, you can connect with us through our social handles or our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios.